South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington, working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Monday, October 17, 2022. The government of South Sudan deploys troops to quell tension between communities in Warab State and the contested Abia area. They want to put a full stop to clashes that have been going on between North Bank and their neighbors from Twitch out of. And the commissioner of Raja County in Western Bahar al-Ghazal State calls for help. We need to have rain this year in, in Raja County also. Uh, the bridge, half of the bridge, some of the part of it, not all the bridge, but part of the bridge has been collapsed by the rain. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The South Sudan People's Defense Force has deployed troops to quell tension between communities from the disputed Abia area and Warab State's Twitch County. The South Sudan Army spokesman says soldiers received orders to end the ongoing violence in the area where officials say more than 25 people were killed after armed young men attacked the Abia area. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Bor. The spokesperson for the South Sudan People's Defense Forces, Major General Lul Roy Kong, says forces deployed to travel areas in Abia this weekend were given orders to end the fighting between communities from Abia and Warab State. They want to put a full stop to clashes that have been going on between North Dinka and their neighbors from Twitch out of Warab State. They will be there as long as they are required and uh, they have been given, given full mandate to stop any illegal activities from happening. Ajag Deng Mian, a spokesperson for the ABI Special Administrative Area, confirms SSPDF troops have arrived in the contested ABI area. The deployment has started since it is because they are being brought uh, in a small number because they are using a small airplane. So they are assembled. They are assembled now in Agok, and they will move to Majankol. And we are welcoming this. We welcome them, actually. If you have a number of anybody among them, you ask them. They are welcome. There are voices that they should not be saying in the, in the box. But uh, I think initially they will be deployed outside the box in the border so that they prevent the attack. Jok Madud Jok, professor of anthropology at Syracuse University in the U.S. state of New York, says deploying a government force to end the conflict, which has been raging for nearly nine months, is a good step. However, its success depends on how the government intends to use this force. If it is intended to simply silence the guns so as to give chance to uh, an investigation, into the causes and drivers of the conflict, then the government has to keep in mind that this force is just one step in what is bound to be a long journey to peace and reconciliation. Jok says past deployments in South Sudan have not only failed, but turned disastrous. He says the abject twitch conflict has many angles that should be addressed in a comprehensive way in order for peace to return to the area. An extreme care must be exercised in its structure, in its command, and in the clarity of its mission. 
In the past, such missions have ended victimizing the people they were deployed to protect. This must be avoided at all costs this time around because much too much is at stake for South Sudan. This conflict is an area that is a vital area for the national security of South Sudan. Jok, who is also the founding director of the Sud Institute, says Abia is a contested area, adding South Sudan's efforts to regain control could amount to what he calls a delicate project. This is not just another one of those uh, tribal conflicts in the interior of South Sudan. This is an area that uh, the government must pay attention to, full attention, and and be very tactical and be very uh, uh, diligent in in the mission of the force that is uh, that we are now told is going to be deployed. In May, the South Sudan People's Defense Force established a buffer zone to end communal fighting between communities in Warabi State and the ABA administrative area. President Salvakir formed a committee headed by Vice President for Service Cluster Hussein Abdelvagi to investigate the root causes of the conflict between the Ngogdinka and the people of Twitch County. The committee's secretary, Diu Matok, said four government officials from ABA and Warabi State were implicated for allegedly fueling the border conflict between the two communities. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding, reporting from Bor. The Commission of Raja County says tens of thousands of people have been affected by the collapse of a key bridge linking the county to Wau, the capital of Western Bahar al-Ghazal state. Addison Arikangelo Musa says Swapo Bridge, which connects Raja to Wau, collapsed due to heavy rains over the past week. Musa is appealing to the national government and humanitarian agencies to explore other options for delivering humanitarian support to more than 50,000 residents of Raja County. Due to heavy rain of this year, uh, usually this has happened. Even last year, the same problem was happening, and uh, at the end, uh, the UNMX uh, United Nation mission in Western Bahar State, uh, they start uh, after uh, to to construct the bridge of Topo Bridge, and uh, at the end, we reach. And me myself, I was the Minister of Information in Western Bahar State. Uh, I, I just went there with a the delegation, and we opened the bridge of uh, Topo Bridge in, in Raja County. Uh, but due to heavy rain this year in, in Raja County also, uh, the bridge, half of the bridge, some of the part of it, not all the bridge, but part of the bridge has been collapsed by the rain. Uh, because uh, this river is just connect Raja County from Soto, and it, it is just coming from the Central Africa. Uh, a part of the bridge has been uh, has been collapsed, and uh, I want to give thanks to you, Soto. Uh, and also the chiefs and some elders there, they maintain the place, the, 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 the part of the bridge, uh, the one which is collapsed uh, two weeks ago. And even after yesterday, the head rains again came from uh, the Central Africa and also washed all uh, the part that they have been maintained uh, two days ago. Uh, this is for the second time right now. And now the road is not functioning like usually, like what is just happened two years or two months ago. Now they are just transporting the, the commodities and some of the goods by their head from Soto to Wau and from Wau to Raja. Uh, they have like two cars will come from one from Wau and one from Raja, and then they will just load the commodities to another car 
Sopo, then from there it will go to Raja County. This is the situation right now in, in Sopo Bridge. So what is the importance of this bridge which links uh, Raja County to Wau County, the capital of Western Bahar Ghazali State? Okay, really this bridge is very important to us. We, we know uh, from Raja to, 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 to capital city of Western Bahar Ghazali State, which is Wau, we have uh, one, one bridge. We have only one bridge which, which is constructed by the, the unit. And now we know the importance of road and the importance of the bridge. A lot thing of this bridge, that means the communities will not lead to Raja County and also the communication between the communities from Sopo to Benzibir, from Benzibir to Sopo to Kuru to other places. Uh, it will not. It will be very difficult to, to the citizens to move from uh, the place to another, especially from Raja to to. Let me just say to Benzibir, Payam Benzibir, because it's one of our Payam in Raja County. And now, in this river, uh, the collapsing of this bridge divides the county to two. Uh, either you, you be in Raja, you will not receive any commodities from Wau. Either you be in Benzibir, you will not receive any commodities or any uh, other seats, agricultural seats from Raja County. So, for me, as a commissioner, as a, one of the citizens of Raja County, this bridge is very important to me to link all the uh, members of the community, also to transport goods and, 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 and the commodities from the county to the state, from the state to the county. Also, it will support in, in maintaining peace and maintaining the security within the boomers, within the county, and also uh, to, to, uh, to the state. So you have roughly 50,000 people in Raja who are cut off from Wau, and the road is impassable right now without the bridge. Yeah. What services are lacking in Raja right now as a result of the collapse of the Sopo uh, bridge? And what is the humanitarian situation like there? Up to now, the humanitarian services is good in Raja County because uh, due to, to, to rain season, we provide the medicine, we provide some of the services in Raja County because we know the road is not good. And also, we're just expecting some cutting of road within uh, the, 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 the rain season three months ago, but I try to maintain the road from, from Benzibir, from Ujukupayam to Raja County. That's why it was helping uh, the moving of uh, humanitarian uh, agencies and also moving of the communities, moving of the goods, moving of any troops from Raja, it was help. Uh, right now, we, we are missing some of the commodities Raja local market. Definitely the price of the market, the price of the commodities will go higher because of the road, because of the cutting of the bridge. Uh, this is one of my expect, expectation that maybe the, 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 the raising of uh, the commodities, it will take our local communities. So really they don't have money, they don't have uh, access to go to Wall and buying some commodities from there. Uh, the traders also, they will not have access of road to go to Wall to, to bring the commodities from Wall to Raja. It will affect the movement of the community. So right now, some of the, the, the commodities, even the fuel in Raja County, the price is going higher. And uh, I'm trying, I'm trying, also all the community members, the government of Wassambar State, we are trying to maintain this uh, path which is collapsed within the short time because we don't want uh, the citizens uh, to be affected by this collapsing of the bridge and also the, the rising of the commodities will go higher. Also, the transport of uh, some of seeds, uh, and uh, now we are in uh, season of harvesting, uh, the farming project, and other things. Also, 
this will affect uh, our communities and our citizens in other countries. What is your government doing to respond uh, to this situation? Uh, okay, we had a meeting with Honorable uh, Governor Honorable Sarah Kletoria, and we have a really very strong discussion about the bridge and also about the maintaining the road before the bridge. We put a strategy that we are going to maintain the road from Wau to Raja and then from Raja to Boro Medina. Fortunately, we, we, we had that the bridge is collapsed. Then we had another project of how we can maintain the bridge very quickly, urgently, because we, we don't want our uh, community or our students to be affected by the collapsing some part of the bridge. So right now, we, we are just mobilizing some of uh, the materials, some of uh, the tools, then we transport it to the to Sopo uh, Buma. Then I will go there. We start with some of the engineers maintaining the path, which is collapsed two weeks ago. And I understand, Commissioner, you have an appeal to make to the national government and humanitarian agencies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also through uh, Voice of America, I want also to appeal to all uh, to all organizations, all the humanitarian agencies that we need. Really, we need their support to helping us maintaining this uh, bridge and also the road between Raja and Wau. Uh, and also, it's not our part in the state or in the country. Uh, this is part of uh, the national government also. Uh, let them just play a big role so that we can maintain the road and maintain the bridge. Uh, and uh, we allow our citizens have, uh, to move freely from uh, state to the county and from county to the state. Uh, for us, as a government of the county, we have a, some local resources. We cannot maintain the, the bridge. We cannot maintain the road because it's not our part. But as a government, this is our part also as a government of uh, the county. We can support with the state government, with the national government, to ensure that the road is working, the road is, the road is uh, functioning very well for our citizens, even for us, even for all the humanitarian service to reach the place. That was Addison Arcangelo Musa. Commissioner of Raja County, he spoke with Nabil Biajo from Jubad earlier today. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, Somali authorities released a journalist accused of leaking state secrets. Find out more after the break. to live a full life and be able to do the kind of things that I want to do. I'm very thankful for my life, my children, and my job. My job helps me to get money. I'm very, very thankful for that. I thank Allah for my life and for my parents. I'm grateful because I've attained at least education. Uh, education is going to help me get a job and get other opportunities in life. I'm thankful for my family, my friends, my husband, my children, and all the lovely friends of mine who have been helpful to me. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. Somali veteran journalist Abdele Ahmed Munim is out on bail after he was arrested last week on security-related charges. 
Mohamed Desani has more from Somali's capital Mogadishu on Abdullah's case. Abdullah Ahmed Momen, the Secretary General of the Somali Journalist Syndicate, or SGS, appeared in a Mogadishu court Sunday, six days after he was arrested at the airport and stopped from traveling to Kenya to visit relatives. Momen was accused of disobeying the law, according to the judges seen by VOA. The country's attorney general office charged Abdallah on behalf of the information ministry, which recently issued a directive barring Somali journalists from reporting news related to Islamist militant group Al-Shabaab. Mohamed Ibrahim, the Somali journalist syndicate president, spoke with VOA by phone. He described the judges as trumped up. He says Abdullah appeared at the court today after being behind bars for six days. Ibrahim says the Attorney General's office announced three judges and that the government's main goal is to silence the independent media. He urged the Attorney General's office to drop the judges. He added that the Attorney General asked 45 days to investigate the case and provide evidence. Laetitia Badr is Horn of Africa Director of Human Rights Watch. She tells VOA Momin is being judged under what she describes as a very outdated criminal code which should have been reviewed years ago. She says it is repeatedly being used to restrict legitimate space for the media. The Somali government should have released um, Abdali Ahmed Mumin from the beginning. Um, it's very clear that he's being held and investigated on apparently politically motivated allegations directly linked to the work he does to promote media freedoms in, in Somalia. A number of international organizations condemned Mumin's arrest Hossein Mohammed, a freelance journalist based in Mogadishu for the New York Times, told VOA that the new directive put journalists at a higher risk than they have ever faced before. Mohammed said the government issued the order without consulting media organizations in the country. The Committee to Protect Journalists also condemned the arrest. The CG-based Sub-Saharan Africa representative Muthaki Mumu said in a recent statement that Mumin's arrest was unacceptable aggression and is undoubtedly sending a ripple of fear through the Somali media community. Rights group Amnesty International issued similar comments. Somalia is one of the deadliest countries for the journalists in the world, with more than 50 killed since 2010, according to reporters without borders. Mohamed Daisane for VOA News, Mogadishu. Millions of people are feeling the impact of the global food crisis, and this is expected to worsen in 2013. An estimated 1 million people are living in famine conditions with starvation and deaths occurring daily, as 3 billion people cannot afford a healthy diet. 
The United Nations World Food Program is calling for urgent action to address the root causes of the problem as the international community celebrated World Food Day on Sunday. Moreno Giambo reports from Nairobi. The world is at risk of yet another year of record hunger as the global food crisis continues to drive millions of people into worsening levels of acute food insecurity. World Food Day comes at a time when the number of people affected by hunger globally has more than doubled in the past three years. The United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres says everyone should have enough to eat and that farmers should access fertilizers to secure food for the future. The theme of this year's World Food Day is to leave no one behind. Better production, better nutrition, better environment and a better life. Government, scientists, the private sector and civil society need to work together to make nutritious diets available and affordable for all. Financial institutions need to increase their support to developing countries so they can help their people and invest in food systems. Together, we must move from despair to hope and action. On World Food Day and every day, I call on you to be part of the change. The global food crisis is a result of a number of issues that have pushed the number of hungry people around the world from 282 million to 345 million in just the first months of the year. Guterres says underprivileged people are the most affected. The most vulnerable communities are being battered by the COVID-19 pandemic, the climate crisis, environmental degradation, conflict and deepening inequalities. The war in Ukraine has accelerated the rise in food and fertilizer and energy prices. But we can reverse all these trends if we act together. There is enough food for everyone in our world this year. The Food and Agriculture Organization is calling on governments, the private sector, academia and civil society to work together to prioritize the right of the people to food, nutrition, peace and equality. In Kenya, at least 4 million people are facing hunger. The government is struggling to keep the economy afloat with a huge number of Kenyans spending days on an empty stomach. The Secretary General of Kenya Red Cross Society, Asha Mohammed, says that the number of those facing hunger in the country is likely to increase. 23 out of the 47 counties urgently need food aid. Only early this year we were speaking of 3 million people affected. But now that number stands at over 4 million. This number could rise to 4.5 million by the end of the year, given that the October, November, December rains are projected to be inadequate. According to the World Food Programme, An unprecedented drought in the Horn of Africa is pushing more people into alarming levels of food insecurity. As the number of extremely hungry people continues to increase, so does the need for global action for peace, economic stability, and continued humanitarian support. Reporting for VOA, I am Moreno Jambo in Nairobi, Kenya. Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. The United States hosted the first ever U.S. Pacific Islands Country Summit to build on the commitment to the people of the Pacific. The Pacific Islands and the United States have long-standing trade and diplomatic relationships. In addition to protecting the security of the region, the United States is also committed to combating the dangers of climate change. At the summit, President Joe Biden stressed the importance of strengthening these partnerships. We're seeing the consequences of climate change around the world uh, very vividly, including in the United States right now. And, uh, and I know your nations feel it acutely. 
However, preparing for climate change is a complex challenge, noted Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Building resilience is about more than equipping communities to adapt to the effects of the climate crisis, which for many of you is an existential threat. It's also about preparing communities to weather a wide range of interrelated shocks that we know have caused cascading effects. To that end, President Biden has announced $810 million in expanded programs to improve the lives of Pacific Islanders. These investments include preparing for climate impacts on health and food security and building early warning capacity to predict, prepare for, and respond to climate hazards. Secretary Blinken also discussed plans to strengthen marine livelihoods by supporting fisheries, aquaculture, and tourism as part of the Resilient Blue Economies program. The Blue Economy refers to the sustainable use of ocean resources for economic growth, improved livelihoods and jobs while preserving the health of ocean ecosystems. The United States also joined Australia, Japan, New Zealand and the United Kingdom in the first Partners of the Blue Pacific Ministerial. Together, these countries met with members of the Pacific Islands Forum to discuss how to efficiently develop and bolster the Pacific Islands government and economies in line with PI. 2050 strategy for the Blue Pacific Continent. The United States is committed to deepening the relationship with the Pacific Island countries and helping them prepare for future climate hazards that threaten the region. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on south sudan in focus we look forward to hearing from you on whatsapp that number again plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. Hello, I'm VOA health correspondent Linor Modul. The World Health Organization and Africa Centers for Disease Control say we all can help fight the global pandemic by frequently washing our hands or using hand sanitizers. For more information on protecting yourself and others, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. That's all we prepared for you this Monday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you missed this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with Emmanuel Kembe and the song Celebrate.
have been listening to Emmanuel Kembe and the song Celebrate. I'm your host, John Tanza. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Join us again tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.